Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action Podcast, where we hear from people across the U.S. that share their stories about work they are doing in their local community with a common goal of taking green action that helps care for people and wildlife and the environment in our local towns and cities. Our goal is that we might be able to learn from and inspire each other while we find our own solution-based action that lets us live meaningful, sustainable, eco-friendly lives while cleaning, protecting, and repairing the environment. Today on our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who created a green cleaning company, which not only uses eco-friendly cleaning products, but offers her employees a living wage and benefits while also working to make a difference in her local community. I'm speaking with Anna Santer. Anna is a business owner, mother of two, and the daughter of an immigrant entrepreneur. In 2007, she left her teaching and arts nonprofit position when she and her former business partner founded Two Betty's Green Cleaning Company. They innovated how a domestic work company could be done while combining this with your passions for art, social justice, green living, and community empowerment. Anna has since won many awards and is on two local nonprofit boards as she continues her work and commitment to being a socially and environmentally responsible for-profit business. Welcome, Anna. I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action that led you to creating a green cleaning company. So what planted the seeds for you to want to take some kind of green action? To be honest, the seed was when we started cleaning and realized that we didn't want to be hurt by anything we were using ourselves. So it really started as we were cleaning homes when my partner and I decided I left my nonprofit job as an arts administrator. Um, We really wanted to find a way to live a life where we could work, make a decent wage, um, support ourselves, but also have flexible hours and really support our art habits that we had. Um, So that was the inception of Two Bennies. And then came the realization that we, as we dug in to start cleaning homes, we didn't want to use things that would damage us. And that grew from there into wanting to make sure that we were protecting our clients because the more we learned about the products that we were using and quite frankly, what I consider the injustices or the unfair practices that are used on labels of cleaning products for consumers. So once we really dug in and started to learn that we um, weren't going to find out what was in a product by reading the label, that we would have to find products that and companies that would be very transparent with the public about what was in those products and making sure that those um, ingredients were safe, not for us only then, but for the clients. And that's, you know, that it, I could go on the evolution of us as a green company started by wanting to protect ourselves. And honestly, right now has led through a path of educating ourselves. uh, Like I said, on the problematic systems and lack of regulation, the toxic chemicals that are used that we all think uh, or that a lot, I think the general public thinks are safe, which are not safe. So now we have some educational materials that we do. We go and do consults and trainings for people if they want. And when we do those, we often find people are shocked by what they don't know. So educating clients and cleaners, we we, we do an orientation. Every cleaner, every staff person that comes into Two Betty's gets, gets my talk on this during orientation. So, you know, before COVID, we were doing once a week or once every other week, an orientation. And I would do a one-hour training on our social enterprise. But a big part of that was the green part of our mission, making sure that the cleaners that went out into the field understood 
um, what our what our, our the green part of our mission was about. And to be honest, it really has evolved past just, I mean, which is really important, understanding what's inside of a cleaning product, but understanding too that when everything that we're putting down the drains that, you know, it kind of grew then into an evolution of more and more education. And then you realize that everything we're using inside of our homes from you know, not just cleaning products, but the things we use to clean our hair, the makeup that we might use, any everything that goes down the drain, as we know, goes into the water supply. And in Minneapolis, everything that goes down a drain goes into the Mississippi. And when we turn on our faucet, it comes back into our home. So protecting what goes out, then, you know, there's a wonderful organization here in Minnesota called The Water Bar. And they did a training at a retreat for us that we really talked about water and our responsibility for protecting it, right? Because if we're going in, at that time, we had 1,700 clients. So if we're going into that many homes on a regular basis, you know, we really are protecting um, what's going down the drain and taking that as, you know, sort of water savers or water warriors, <laughs> um, water protectors. So that that was another like sort of page of development for us and responsibility um, of what we're doing. Then the carbon footprint was the next thing that we really tackled. Our dream was to always have a refill station and we have that now on Lake Street. Before COVID, we had about 140 cleaners and they would come on a regular basis to refill the products that they had. So that we you know, but before that, we were having to give new bottles every time somebody ran out. We didn't have the space to have a refill station. Um, and to be honest, we didn't have the knowledge that we have now. Um, so, you know, we have one barrel of Eco's Parsley Concentrate that we use that literally would get us through a year. And that meant 20,000 refills because it was so concentrated. So we're mm. serious believers now in that you know, everything we can do to use concentrates that then we refill um, is, is where we try to go. So there was that. And you think about the shipping and the gas and the deliveries and the packaging that was saved, not just the plastic bottles, right? Um, we started really challenging ourselves on how we were shopping. So now we're really careful about uh, my product manager is a great green advocate and they are super picky about who we use for vendors. We shop our values to the core with our companies. Um, if we can't, you know, there's a couple of places that we still have work to do, but most of the places we feel super proud of who we are using. And, you know, even shopping the values of the company, do they pay a living wage? Two of our companies have solar as the main source of energy that they're using in their plant. Those are things that we look at too. So Ecos, BioClean, um, some of the companies that we use. So that refill station and then, you know, this next year was going to be and still will be when we, we were going to sign up for the WasteWise um, project in town. And we're going to do that once probably more now in 2021, which is the WasteWise program here, which the, they come and measure your trash to try to get your company down to um, lowering your waste and lowering your recycling too. So, you know, and most currently, as you know, Minneapolis was the place where George Floyd was recently murdered. And we, there's been a lot of unrest, but also really an opportunity for change and enlightenment, I think, too, here. And one of the things we've done as a company is internally, I said that we're going to move our needle on environmentalism which takes place in a very white space, um, traditionally has, um, into more environmental justice. So we are taking part in a climate gen workshop. So we're really at the, you know, that next evolution for us as far as our greenness is now, you know, I'm, I want us to participate in that waste wise. So we're moving more and more to understand, um, you know, 
to move as far as we can towards a zero waste situation as a company, um, at least be responsible to lowering our recycling and our trash. And then also the environmental justice, to move the needle on our environmentalism to environmental justice. Participating in a workshop with one of the um, partners that we've worked with in town called um, Climate Generation. We've been supporting that org for a long time and they've supported us um, in many ways too. And they are doing a, an eyewitness book club and workshop that is basically a climate change and racism workshop to try to understand the connection and to really move, move that environmentalism space into more of a climate justice space. So that's sort of the, the evolution and the trajectory of us as a company. We've been around for 15 years. So that question, I was like, oh, there was a start to that question, but it was interesting to sort of map out you know, where we've gone um, personally. And I, I, I hope we continue to grow every year with our green mission. So you said that you had, or you have an art nonprofit. I used to work for, I used to work in the nonprofit art. So part of the reason for starting this business initially was to kind of give you more time. Yeah. I think something that happens to a lot of artists or those of us who come out with an MFA is that you, you end up working as an arts administrator, which is definitely not the same thing as working as an artist, right? So I loved some of the programs that I was a part of. I um, loved the organizations that I was a part of, but I made that shift because I was not spending any time in the studio. So so what was it like setting up your business? We kind of jumped in. I am a um, daughter of a, an immigrant entrepreneur who um, I worked in every single aspect of my father's business growing up or family business. So I had, you know, just a much in just just as much information that I needed to be dangerous without any formal education. <laughs> um, and But honestly, my father was a huge resource. Sam's mother was an accountant. So we had some guidance there in the beginning too, you know, and we got the very wise advice from multiple people um, around us to, you know, make sure we had a lawyer and an accountant and we'd be fine. <laughs> so, so, you know, at the time we had no money. So these, that the, you know, it, we didn't really have a lawyer for a while, but we did use um, a law service that was in town that helped us just set up our articles and, and those. Um, you know, we we did it in the sort of, you read the book, How to Start a Business for Dummies. Like we, that was like, so, uh, you know, there, we just kind of jumped in and it turned out really, to be honest, that, you know, we didn't really anticipate moving it past he and I cleaning, maybe a few people, but it turns out when you do a good job cleaning, you use, you have values that your customers appreciate and you don't, you know, you're trustworthy. Nothing bad happens while you're cleaning and you show up on a regular basis that really, you know, if we could do that and stay consistent with that and not mess up the books and that, <laughs> um, and treat people well, I think that was the other thing. Our core values are really about supporting the cleaners, supporting our clients, um, being green, being a decent community member. Um, and really upholding our social enterprise. And I honestly think those are the reasons we um, we grew. We offered something people wanted the way they wanted it, and we were consistent about it. And we owned our mistakes, and we were honest. So I think those are those are the main the main things that grew us. Excellent. So you, I think you kind of already mentioned this, but you had to kind of test some different products as well to see like what worked and didn't work. 
Oh yeah. Every time we move, in fact, right now we're doing that because um, because of the pandemic, there's been some sourcing issues. Like right now we can't find empty bottles and nozzles. Um, so there's always, right. So, and with one of our companies that we ordered from is having that problem too. So we're having to look at using another product for a while. So when that happens, we always do testing to make sure. And we, but again, we always vet that company, that new company to make sure that their values align with ours. There's so much greenwashing out there, but there are those good certifications that you can get to really guarantee because the amount of vetting that that certification or that seal does, um, we we're, we have the Green America seal and that was a very elaborate application. So I feel very confident in using that green seal when I see it because I know how hard it was to get. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed because I, I don't think there's, there are as many local businesses that get the um, Green America seal. So when you, you said originally that it started with you and your partner, and then you kind of moved to, to hiring people to work with you, and you had to make the choice of, you know, offering benefits at some point. Um, so how was that process for you? Uh-huh. That's a really good question. So we, in, I always forget the exact year, I think it was 2015, we switched from having contractors to employees. We started much as the kind of, and, and not, you know, in the way we were thinking we were doing right, because most of the artists and musicians and theater folk, that is like really who built us, who came and worked here. They wanted to be independent contractors. They did not want to be employees. And then that started to shift. And then as I grew to into more of a social enterprise mindset and started learning more about social enterprise, I realized that a really great book to read on this is Winners Take All. It really... Um, it, it really kind of blows the idea of this, like, you know, what do they call it? The micro entrepreneur, the like lift driver that doesn't have any benefits and no, you know, um, none of those safeguards that happen when you are employed. Um, it, and I have a mentor, Carla Pavone at the University of Minnesota that has always been there to sort of hold up a mirror when I needed it to be like, I don't know, are you really living your values? And when we really reassessed, we took a vote and it did turn out that um, the majority of our, our cleaners then by that time, you know, what would that have been seven years in? It did shift and, you know, there were still you know, 30 or 35% of people that wanted to stay as independent contractors, but we did move to employee. And we, but what we did is try to keep some of that flexibility that people were getting with the contract work and, and keep that, keep that as a part of, you can be an employee, but you can still choose yours. You can't change them every time. And, and, and we will have more to do with the clients than the, that is the other big shift is that we took more customer service and some of the things that the cleaners were doing for that um, higher wage. They were kind of, they were, I mean, as we really did do it in, you know, as contractors, people had a, all the say over their schedule. They really managed their own client. You know, it was a big, it was a shift and it was a culture shift, but it was, I still believe it was the right thing to do. We were getting audited too by the IRS because they were, you know, even though we clicked off 19 of the 20 things that you needed to prove to legitimately have contractors. It just, you know, we didn't have to find creative ways to help our cleaners when they were in trouble anymore. We, you know, as, as employees, we can, we offer benefits. We we're one of the only cleaning companies in town that pays for disability when somebody is at 
you know, once they've worked a certain amount of time here, we cover disability because for an hourly worker, the thing that we saw knock people off the most was if, or knock people off their game the most is if, if they couldn't work. If you're an hourly worker who's part-time and you don't, and, and we don't, I don't know, you know, like in our state, we do not have the paid leave. We're an advocate for paid leave and we're at the Capitol every time there's a chance to go and advocate for paid leave, um, a more public paid a paid leave program that, you know, we can all be a part of, you know, we're not there yet. So that's the thing that we see really hit cleaners the most. So that's something that we offer. We do offer healthcare to those people working 30 or over and um, 401k. So if people work here um, over 20, you get the disabilities over 30. We never could do any of that before, right? And workers' comp. Everybody was having to pay their own workers' comp before. So now we cover, workers' comp is a huge bill, right? <laughs> um, so when a, client, when, a, when a company covers that, I mean, that's a huge expense. So yeah, for sure. That, that really shows your commitment. And also, just the fact that you have made it, um, because to some extent, it might have been a little bit of a leap of faith that, you know, you have enough clients and everything is going to be covered and, you know, financially it's all going to level out. Yeah. I mean, it definitely made it harder because the tax, you know, like there's a lot of things that go up and then you have to have the staff to manage all of those things that you are providing then as an employer. Um, I would also say that something that's sort of a hidden is the legal you know, like there's way more, (laughs) your legal bill, your HR lawyer bill just goes up because um, you, and that's the just shadow side of, you know, we will always be a supporter of having all of these things in place for our workers, but there, it it does come at a cost. So when you say legal expenses, is that coming in from the angle of like clients or more like working with employees and from employees, you know, so if, you know, with employees, there's just a huge amount of HR law that you need to be in compliant with. And you have to have an HR expert. HR experts are really expensive. <laughs> and HR lawyers that they need to work with, with like when certain situations come up. Furloughing versus, um, for example, at, you know, we, uh, the status day of my working life was um, here in March when we had to furlough and lay off 140 people. Those were dark, dark days. And we it's really beautiful to be able to, now we're at this place where we have reopened really cautiously and have brought um, some people back. And it's really wonderful to do that. But, you know, the loss of those people and the relationships with those people is really still heartbreaking. But that took, I mean, what was unfortunate and what was sad and what I wish the PPP would have covered, to be honest, was the legal um, fees involved with doing that and making sure that you have everything in place was giant, you know, and, and while we have a wonderful lawyer who gave us a a break because they saw how hard we were getting hit, but that, that was at their discretion. I mean, somebody else might not have done that. So, um, you know, there, there, that's one thing I think, you know, in order so what does the PPP stand for? The Payroll Protection Program. The other thing about supporting workers in the way that we want to, our, <laughs> our lawyer always says, like, you know, you guys are 
you do things just a little bit differently and the amount of support that you give and the, um, the fact that you want to furlough and not the easiest thing legally is to just lay people off because it protects you the most. And so many, so many companies made that choice and maybe they made it because they couldn't afford to do it the other way. Maybe they made it because they know it's the cleanest way and they don't want the liability, but it's not the best way for the employee. The best way for the employee is to be furloughed, <laughs> you know, and, and I guess, in retrospect, I will say that I'm glad we did it. It was a leap of faith, but honestly, I feel like we had better luck bringing our furloughed staff back than a lot of companies that I've heard bringing their laid off staff back, right? Because we were able to keep in touch with them. They were still employed. We were paying their healthcare benefits. Excellent. Wow. And I'm sure, I mean, you could be grateful for the fact that they are employees. I mean, if they were not, if they were freelance, uh, it would have been a much harder situation for them. Right. It's so true. I'm so grateful that, you know, years back, we made that decision. It was definitely 100% the right thing to do. When you were kind of getting started, what helped you maybe to get the word out to work with the community? Um, Was it more word of mouth or did you, you know, work on social media marketing, et cetera? Like, We had no social media at all until like 20, I want to say about 2013, maybe we did, which was so like Sam and I, we, I am not a huge social media fan, um, but I, I lurk on it and I use it to follow um, more politically and organizations and people that I like, but not, I've never been a big user. I there's something about friending and defriending people that I just immediately didn't like. You know, it took bringing somebody on that knew a lot more about it than I did. And really, at first, we didn't need to worry about um, selling and marketing so much because just like in the beginning, it was, was so much word of mouth. We've always been a 60 to 70% word of mouth. And just this slow growth that we did from 2007 to 2020, um, really, right before we, we laid in for a little people um, laid off and furloughed people um we up until that point it really was about referral and then it also became our marketing strategy i was lucky enough to work with um sarah nairgang for a while who was who grew up to be our or grew into um being our director of operations until 2018 and she had done some marketing um and knew how to do marketing in this sort of green and social enterprise way where We wanted to, our marketing strategy was to go out into the community, not so much get ads. And like I said, until 2013, didn't even have social, um, but to talk about what we were doing in the community to support when a client said, hey, I'm doing this gala for um, this really great cause. Can you donate? Yes, we can donate. And then what we learned to do was like set up a cute little, um, we have great branding because Danny Barra, who used to run Aesthetic apparatus and is and now I, he's just got a great reputation as a really wonderful graphic designer um, and he did such a fabulous job on our brand that people love it so as much as we can put it up um, like at these galas we always end up you know getting a lot of exposure because the people are at this event that are all doing good together also see us and bid on as they're bidding on things for a silent auction. Um, And then, you know, we do our free clean. And a lot of times even that free clean would turn into a client then. So that's the, it was kind of that approach, maybe showing up. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times just showing up at the Capitol for pay leave or 15 minimum wage, you know, 
a representative will be, can I have a card? Cause I really need a house cleaner. <laughs> so, um, it's been funny the way we've done it. And through, you know, then there's organizations that we've been a part of, which is something I really recommend is getting involved with. Main Street Alliance is a fabulous organization that we're involved with here. It's business owners that work towards affecting change that is not only good for them, but their community and the people that work for them. Like Main Street Alliance is working right now on still working on paid leave and single payer healthcare and, you know, eyes on the election too, to do it's, it's, it's work that's a little more political. And then we're now on a board of our local um, business association and they are doing some amazing work in response to the murder of George Floyd and what has happened in our community. Cause we, you know, you know, that's, that's a big part of work, our continued effort and that, and just, I love to connect. That's one of my core competencies. Um, like, so sales and, and connecting. So any chance I get to talk about our mission, to encourage people to shop their values, I've gotten involved with a group, uh, a wonderful org called Women Venture here in Minnesota, who really supports women in business. And I was a part of a, a program they did. I met and networked with a bunch of people. There's a networking group called Business, the BWCA Business Women's Circles. I've made tons of connections there. That's how I've done it, is, is the way that it, and it also is the way that suits me, right? Because that's my my personality, my um, strength. So is really getting us, getting out there in the community, making as many connections as possible, doing good where we can too, and then naturally getting some connection via other people's social media. We've gotten some authentically earned media that way too, so... Nice. Well, I was going to ask you some of the ways that you're enjoying the rewards of your efforts, but it kind of feels like you've already answered some of that. But if you were to think of maybe some other ways, what might that be? Um, I think right now, that's a tricky question. You know, we really are, we're down 80% right now because of COVID. We're also in the middle of a neighborhood, two buddies headquarters, Mm -hmm. And which we call it HQ. It's a little um, space uh, on a on a street in the Longfellow neighborhood of Minneapolis. And then on Lake Street, um, we're on Lake Street, right? So if anybody followed um, any of what happened in Minneapolis with the murder of George Floyd, we're literally 0.3 miles from that third precinct that burnt down. Um, some of our friends and their businesses burnt to the ground. And and they also stood up and said, let it burn if this is what it takes to change our community for the better. So you know, we're really, we're really right in that neighborhood. And there's still, you know, a lot going on in the neighborhood surrounding us, the, the, the unhoused people in some of our parks and the challenges with the police and trying to change the relationship between the community and the police. And, and yeah, that's all been, so it's hard right now with where we're at in our community and where we're at with the pandemic. Um, and I will say that there's always a silver lining to these things, that I am hopeful that this Minneapolis, Minnesota is ranked second worst in the nation for racial equity. But I feel like there's been a, we're also somewhat known for being progressive. Those things don't add up. And I think that was a pot that was meant to boil over at some point with, if, you know, the the onion, you know, what do they call it? The veils are just being lifted. It feels like one after the other. And Minnesota and Minneapolis are really having having to deal with what they see in the mirror right now and, and to work with that. So, you know, in, in a sense, I don't, I think that is, 
that is that is a positive. I don't think it's a negative. I think it's a positive because this change needs to happen. The, uh, regarding the pandemic, you know, I've seen some, we've gotten the PPP for us. We've gotten hit so hard. Some of the things about the PPP were very unfair. Um, you know, one company might not have, might've gotten the PPP over here and had the best summer of their life because they're in they're a garden center or something <laughs> um, and they're having better sales than ever or a grocery store. And then, and of course it's easy for them to hit their full-time equivalent. Um, but for us, it's been the opposite. And we're really worried that we're not going to, you know, we're probably not going to hit the full-time equivalents and we're just waiting for the announcements. And I'm calling our reps and saying like, you got to understand how this is hitting some of us. Like we're not going to be able to hit our full-time equivalents, but we shouldn't be punished for that. Right. Cause we're actually the people that need this thing most. Um, but we have been bringing people back and we, we have tried new things. One of the things we've done that I want to celebrate is we've, we've developed a shop. So we have an online shop. We have a back to business kit that we're selling. That is a, you know, one of the green things that we're doing right now. It was really sad for us to hear or sad, challenging. And we wanted people to still be able to shop their green values and to feel protected and safe from COVID, right? And they, and not, not just chuck their green values and go buy Lysol or, um, or, you know, or bleach. So we did a lot of research and we, we found hydrogen peroxide at 7% is the thing that it's CDC hospitals use it. We started looking for the product. We have the product and we also found a way to do it in a zero waste way for companies. So if companies like we have tech dump here and Eureka recycling bought like a 55 gallon barrel of it so that they can just refill and do a zero waste setup in their, in their company so that they can, all their people can sanitize and use this virus side on, you know, inside those recycling, recycling trucks, the big garbage trucks and all over their, their manufacturing floor at tech dump. So there's that. And then we have like these little tiny setups that like a retailer could have, which is just like a little two gallon setup that you can keep refilling to just spray everything down. Um, we also do a training so that that's been exciting to do some things that we haven't had to do since the beginning, which is sort of innovate and come up with something new. These new initiatives will hopefully diversify us a little bit. So in the future, it's sort of a contingency plan too. So like if, if something happens to the service side of our company, hopefully there are these other new initiatives that we've come up with our pivot that will protect us a little bit in the future. So, but, you know, keeping those things aligned to green and really talking to companies and to clients and say, don't give up your green values, you know, because you feel like you're afraid because bleach actually has to stay on a surface for 10 minutes before it kills COVID. And nobody knows, a lot of people don't know that. Um, but the product that we use, the virus side that we have, and now have for sale only has to stay on for five. So, you know, it's not only is it a green alternative, but it's easier to use. And it's Is that the 7% peroxide that you're referring to? Yep. Yep. And there's a lot of reasons, you know, you, anybody can do their own research on that too, but you know, just that's been, it's weird to say that it's been a positive, but it's been exciting and it's been interesting to have this challenge and overcome it. And the team feels really good about it. Um, and they've had some huge successes and and pulling through the skeleton crew that kept us alive during, during the time where everybody was laid off or furloughed. And now as we're bringing people back, you know, that, those are the positives and the successes is that we are still here, that we are surviving and that we are slowly bringing people back. So that is something that we are all 
really enjoying and celebrating right now. Okay. And when you said that you, um, you have a refilling station, was that only for your company or is that something you make available to your customers? That is, that's only available to the cleaners right now. We are dreaming about, you know, once, you know, we're dreaming about really the next phase of these new initiatives being a more green, you know, right now we're having to put spray bottles into boxes and send them to people or have people come pick them up. But what we'd love to do is a refill scenario. But you know what the problem is? It's not our, it's, it's actually on the, on the company. It's, it's pressuring ecos and it's um, pressuring some of these companies to not do what they've always done and to let us refill and go more zero because they're green companies. So we're really trying to, Hey, you know, like let's figure this out because they don't allow their vendors or their customers to do that right now. So really, you know, the, the place where we've been stuck with that is that the companies that we order from will not allow us to refill because we use concentrate. So I think they don't trust us to, you know, refill it exactly correctly, maybe use distilled water, you know, the things that that would be. Um, so, but we're working on it. We're working on it. We're hoping that we're going to be able to negotiate that. And if we can't, we're going to try to go and develop our own products that we can do that with. So. You've been using their products in a concentrated form and making it yourself, but they don't want you to sell the products to the customer. Yeah, it's really funny. Like we can do it on the commercial, like companies that have built up their products to sell to commercially, they they don't think about selling straight retail, right? They're all business to business. So it's a huge um, change for them <laughs> to think about doing it another way. And they might, it might not make sense for them to do it. So we, you know, that's where we're really, there's one company in Barracks that we're thinking we're going to have um, some luck with. Um, and I'm really excited. We have a great distributor here that we, that we work with who's women owned company facility sourcing direct. And that's, you know, we're really trying to work with Lynn and, and work with Envirox. And it's been great so far. The Envirox is the product that we use and we're the only people that are selling it in our region. And that's that 7% um, hydrogen peroxide. And it, it, it is EPA approved at that high of a percentage of hydrogen peroxide. Um, it, it's not going to have like the Green America seal, but, it, but a hydrogen peroxide still will, you know, more than anything else I feel like that's been using, that's being used to, to combat COVID is it goes inert, right? Once it does its job, once it fizzes, it reacts and then, and then. And I don't think most people realize how toxic um, household bleach is to our personal health. Oh, I know. I am on, I want to, we've, joked about it, but I want to make a reality of a campaign, like an anti-bleach campaign. It's so, once I, once we, you know, when we do our talks, we do say like, you know, when bleach mixes with ammonia, that's like what was used to make mustard gas. It's horrible, right? For your, and that's the bathroom. So, or cleaning up cat litter, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, I consider it a health hazard personally. I think the problem is we call it household bleach. Like it's innocuous. Like it's, oh, there's been so much work done to make it seem safe, right? Yeah. So if your ideas, your experience, and your wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action to give to other people that might be considering a business like this in their own city or state, what advice would you give them? The advice that was given to me, make sure you have a lawyer and accountant, but more on the, you know, a social enterprise is truly something that just keeps giving back. And the challenge of like ever growing, like evolving our green mission, evolving our social justice mission, 
um, is wildly, you know, fulfilling. And I would say to write those things down and find people that are, are doing similar things and connect with them. Because as soon as I found the group of people that was doing this work, it was like a different world to have these other people to bounce ideas off of, to learn from and to see what they've done, to encourage and hold a mirror up, to stay more focused on really like making the harder decisions when you're shopping your values internally as a business and externally, right? Like you're, you're telling your clients to shop their values. So to really set up that from the beginning and people will come to you because when I feel like there's a lot of people out there that that resonates with, like being true, being honest, being authentic, holding, being honest, the places that you may need to improve. We, we definitely see that we're, we're more white as a business. That's a big thing that we're working on. Now we're working with LaDonna Redmond, who is, does anti-racism and intercultural training to look. We started this work over a year ago. You know, like those are the things that make it's, it's really never not given back. I, I would say that even in 2020. I can say that. <laughs> so I'm um, just sticking with it. My kid goes to a camp of a place that I just love, Leonardo's Basement here, where um, their main motto for the kids, uh, they, they just had a 20-year anniversary t-shirt that said, teaching kids to fail for 20 years. And it was the most entrepreneurial like statement I've ever heard, right? It's like that through failure and picking yourself up and then using, using that information that you just learned from that fail you know, it's so critical to success and not, not, you know, you got to just let those fails go and then realize that there are seeds from those failures um, that are gold that you like the golden bricks then failure that you use to like get it right the next time. I think that's the true secret to entrepreneurial innovation. Excellent. Excellent. So is there maybe a resource or a book or website that's been particularly helpful? I know you did mention a couple. Yeah. I mean, we're, I've always been a huge fan of climate generation. It's local, but also national. And they, I did, uh, there's also the EWG website. I'm going to say that first because it's right here. Um, the EWG website is Environmental Working Group. And that's a great website for checking to see what's in your house. If you want to check, sometimes I feel like they're a little off, but it's a good standard for like checking. I've used that in some of the talks that we do. If people are just getting into this, trying to shop their values. That's a place that we've looked and, and used for some information. And then, oh yeah, Climate Gen. It's called Eyewitness. It's the book and it's workshops and a book club is coming and starting for anyone and you can just sign up online it's where climate change meets racism basically as the conversation what the conversation will be that's something that i just ordered and signed up for um the other book that i just read that i think is amazing and that probably every business owner should read is so you want to talk about race um yeah those are what is the name of it again so you want to talk about race and how would you like people to contact you the info at two bettys clean um, dot com or the shop at two bettys clean t-w-o-b-e-t-t-y-s-c-l-e-a-n.com um otherwise you know our our website especially the information that i about our shop, you know, our new online shop, which is a new venture for us, is uh, the best place to get to know us as a company. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm really quite impressed with, with what you've done with your company. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action 
that benefits the planet and people.